0: 1981, the year I was born and the birth of the millennial generation, a podcast for the rising stars and venture capital. This is Fund 81. Thanks for listening. I'm Elizabeth Krauss, general partner at the Merge Lane Venture Fund for high potential startups with at least one woman in leadership, and your host at Fund 81. My guest today is Bill Maris.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: So Bill is an entrepreneur and venture capitalist focused on technology and the life sciences. He founded early web hosting pioneer Burley.com, now part of web.com, and then went on to found and become the first CEO of Google Ventures, or GV. Under his leadership, GV grew from one to 70 plus team members across seven officers and had over $3 under management. GV made over 350 investments, including Uber, Nest, Cloudera, DocuSign, Climate Corp, 23andMe, and more. He also created Google's Calico Project, a multi billion dollar company focused on the genetic basis of aging. Bill left GV in 2016 and recently started his own fund, Section 32. So, Bill, do you want to give us the quick 30 seconds on Section 32?
1: Sure. After I left Google Ventures, decided to start my own fund to kind of do something smaller and allow myself to be more involved in kind of the day-to-day investments. And frankly, I like to build things. It isn't even so much about venture as it is building a new entity, which I find the fun part and building the team and, and hopefully driving towards success. So set out and raised $150 million and have invested most of that fund and and thinking about raising a second fund now and continuing to move forward. We invested in 17 or 18 companies across biotech, life sciences, uh, et cetera, much as I was doing at Google Ventures, and probably will expand the team a bit here as well as uh, continuing to build.
0: In listening to some podcast interviews with you, I learned two unexpected things. So the first is that you are a practicing magician. Who knew? Very interesting. And then the second is that I learned that you're an introvert. And I'm also an introvert. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about how my introversion plays into my life as a venture capitalist. And so I chose that as our topic for today. But before we start, I think I should probably define what an introvert actually is. So Susan Cain, the author of Quiet, suggests asking yourself three questions. Imagine that you have been at a party for about two hours and really honestly enjoyed being there. How do you feel after those three hours? Introverts tend to be tired and feel like they need to recharge, and extroverts tend to feel energized. Second question is, do you tend to speak before you think, or do you tend to process your thoughts out loud? So extroverts tend to process their thoughts by thinking through them in real time. And introverts tend to do the opposite. And then lastly, do you tend to enjoy one on one conversations or group settings? Bill, why do you believe that you are an introvert?
1: Because I'm one, my answers to those questions and I am not naturally an outgoing person. I prefer generally to spend time alone or in a very small group or with people I know. I don't find it energizing to Go to social events. In fact, sometimes it's like anxiety-inducing. I think of being introverted as as embodying being a a good listener and focused and in touch with your own emotions and feelings and spending a lot of time doing kind of self-analysis. And I prefer to listen rather than talk, and all of those things. And you know, I I read Susan's book as well, and it's it all resonates. It's a you know, I I think I'm very much a classic uh, kind of introvert, although I. I can do a good impression of an extrovert. And I think magic, you mentioned, it, is one of those tools. And one reason I, I love magic is it's a good icebreaker and tool for someone like myself who's introverted. Let's talk about this magical thing over here. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about me, for example.
0: And what do you think is the most significant competitive advantage that you have as an introvert in your world as a VC?
1: Interesting question. I mean, I, I've never really looked at it from that point of view because because I, it's not a choice that i made it's just like how i am so i think there are advantages you know in either way it depends on what choices you make from my perspective i really try to focus on even in you know in life but also in my business on building real genuine relationships listening empathizing and trying to be as you know genuine as possible and identifying with another person's experience and the, the, those are i think things that generally call for some introspection and quiet and reflection and etc. And so I think when you can do those things, if you can do them effectively, that you do have an advantage in identifying with entrepreneurs or other investors and this business of investing is at the stages that you and I do it is largely about relationships. And so if you can build those genuine relationships, then you'll be well positioned to be involved in companies, etc that your friends and people you know are starting.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've done a lot of thinking about this. My business partner is an extrovert and she can go for 12 hours straight and back-to-back meetings with people without really feeling tired. And to me, that's just completely incomprehensible. I I don't know how she can possibly do that. And so I did a lot of thinking about, you know, how do we complement each other? And one of the things that I realized about myself is that, I do a lot more thinking about how the meetings went after the fact, and then also thinking about how the meetings are going to go before the fact. And so as a compliment, we work really, really well. What do you think is the biggest disadvantage for you?
1: It's also an interesting question. It's sort of like one of those questions where it's like, well, what would be the advantages of having a sibling if you never had one? It's kind of like, well, it's hard to imagine, but um, but. If I if I think about it out loud right now, I think a lot of the velocity in our business depends on these days on the sometimes the appearance of doing work, going to certain parties or events, and being seen and having a lot to say and having an opinion on everything and being well networked. And none of that holds an appeal to me. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on LinkedIn. Like it's just not not my thing. And so I think that there's a the disadvantage might be that if you're not doing those things, there may be a preconception that, that you aren't positioned to, to be knowledgeable or have good relationships with the, the people doing interesting things, although I think that would be a mistaken assumption.
0: When you think about building your team at Section 32, will you hire extroverts to compliment you, or how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I do actually think about that. I tend to be attracted to people with the same kind of energy that I have. That may be a success factor or a failure mode? I don't really know. I just know that the extreme end of either side is probably not great. I'm sure there's there's like a happy middle of ground, but I tend to you know spend time with people who also tend to be quiet or more thoughtful or reflective and rather than process their thoughts you know outside of their heads. And that just creates a more pleasant environment for me. And part of starting my own fund was to create a workplace and environment that I could thrive in. So it wouldn't be surprising if, other people that join are, you know, at least somewhat similar to that.
0: I'm just curious, is your wife an extrovert?
1: My wife is, is a very interesting question. She is a musician and is, was on Capitol Records for 10 years. And so she will get up on stage and perform in front of large audiences. Despite that, though, she, while not as introverted as I, certainly is much more on the border, kind of edging towards the introvert side. And is not, that's her job. But in terms of how she spends her time, it's, it's much more introvert. I would say as well. That's why lots of times we don't feel like we need to leave the house really. So, you know, it's like, don't be fooled by someone's
0: career path. That, that doesn't reflect
1: the internal character. And in that case, I think she's a good example.
0: So my husband's an extrovert. He has some introvert qualities, but he's definitely on the extrovert scale. One thing that's hard for me is, you know, I'm meeting with investors and with entrepreneurs and doing other networking things lot and sometimes I come home and I feel like I have nothing more to give and he wants to talk and Mm -hmm. we had to have a lot of conversations around it's not you it's not that I don't want to talk to you it's just that I need to recharge and the the best thing that we did is we instated these things that we call etc nights which is Elizabeth tired and crabby nights Uh, (laughs) and I um tend to be fairly regimented in my my workouts so I kind of know when I'm going to be tired and I also mm-hmm. try to plan it so that the days that I have a lot of meetings are on et cetera, nights so Tuesdays and Thursdays are nights that anytime somebody asks him to go to a movie or something he has an immediate yes because I like to be home and not talking yeah. that works it's well for really
1: them. important to work those things out in a relationship and I think Especially if two people are introverted, you're going to have the same issue where it's, where is anyone going to talk to? You got to talk to each other, but you may not, you know? So, so it is important to find uh, find that balance. And especially if you're living with someone intuitively, at least even know the tank's empty right now, basically.
0: And do you have any hacks that you use to carve out time to refuel as an introvert?
1: Yeah, I actually tried to book no meetings on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, I try to leave that for a creative time and time to do the stuff that I need to do or think or um, just be in my own world. I also try to limit external meetings to on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to two, but definitely no more than three per day. Because then I just start to get really frustrated that I'm not in control of my own time and I don't have the reflective time that I'd like to have to give my best to those meetings. So those are a couple of the things I do. I also try to get enough sleep at night and get up uh, early enough to get exercise in the morning. And that for me is like really my time. Like I, I either go on the elliptical or I'll go to a Pilates or something. And that's where I don't have my phone on me. I'm not looking at email. I'm, no one needs anything from me. And so it's really important for me to have that time where, you know, especially as a dad of a two-year-old, like I think we all should allow ourselves time if we can to to take care of ourselves, and especially if you're taking care of someone else most of the rest of the time and put your own mask on before you help someone else. It's like in life, you kind of have to do that too. Otherwise, um, you just don't have anything to give.
0: Yeah, I agree. I learned an interesting lesson around the working out thing. So I like to work out. I like to be active. And I also like to accomplish as much as I physically can work wise. I started doing a lot to combine working out with work. So I regularly take hiking meetings and skiing meetings. And I realized that I need to limit that because my morning runs and my morning gym time was my time to recharge as an introvert. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. So. As much as I love those skiing meetings, I, I can only do so many of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, as tempting as it is, sometimes I'll feel like, well, I've got one or two more calls to do. I'll just do them while I'm on the elliptical or going for a run. And then I, the few times I've made an exception to that, I really get frustrated with myself that I'm giving up too much and not taking care of myself.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've been there. If you think about what you want to do from here forward what are some of the things that you are most excited about? And is there anything that the fact that you're an introvert plays into in that vision?
1: Let me think for a second. Um, you know, I think I do aspire to a life of having no meetings someday, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know how to do this job uh, without it though. But I think this fund is an evolution of that where it's, it's at a smaller scale. It's, you know, intentionally, not meant to raise a billion dollars and do a hundred investments a year. And, and I think I increasingly I will lean more towards the smaller and kind of passion projects and, and family, et cetera. Maybe it's just kind of stage of career too. At a certain point, it's like, well, I don't feel like I certainly don't have anything I want to prove to myself anymore career wise. So there's no reason to quite charge as hard as I might have when I was 25 or 30. Um, and I, I, I don't know where that path leads from here, but I'm as interested as anyone to see.
0: Well, you know, my final question that's more of a bigger question is, how does fundraising go for you as an introvert? I know many of the introverts that I know really struggle with that process.
1: That's the worst part of the job. It's funny you ask me that today because I've been on a couple calls on just exactly that topic. And It's why I want to, you know, I always would like to raise a sufficient amount and not have to go through that process for a number of years again, because it is exhausting. It's the same conversation over and over. It's like giving a performance. You want to put your best foot forward, but it's it's exhausting. I actually said to a colleague today, like, please let this be the last one, because it is probably the biggest downside for me of a vendor fund is having those conversations and it's just very draining. You definitely put your finger on it there. I imagine you probably had the same experience.
0: Well, my experience is slightly different. So I actually really enjoy fundraising because one of the things about introverts is that we prefer one-on-one meetings. And so I like having the opportunity to really get to know very interesting people on a deeper level. But the challenge that I have is that there's a limit to how many of those meetings that I can do. You know, I'm also managing a portfolio. We have a team of people that I want to work with at MergeLane. And so it's really hard for me to get all of those things in. That's actually one area where having a partner who is an extrovert is extremely helpful. But all in all, it is still a tough thing for me. And I'm glad that there's a limit to it as well.
1: It's funny that you mentioned this because one of the reasons even I left Google Ventures is we were approaching 100 people on the team. And I really just started to feel a lot of like guilt that I I didn't know everyone as well as I'd like to. I could never spend as much time with everyone that I thought that I should. I just always felt like I was disappointing someone or myself in that what I felt you need to give as the leader of an organization that size. Maybe it's not reasonable, but for me, I felt like I should know everyone's spouse's name. I should be able to sit and talk for as long as someone wanted to talk because they're they're on the team. But when you have 50, 70, 100 people, you you, you can't. Like if someone's getting short change, if someone runs over, it's taking time from someone else. And, and that just put me in a really um, stressful situation. So I would like to, to your earlier question, avoid putting myself into that position again, where I feel like I can't give what I would expect of myself. Um, and so working with a smaller group helps me avoid that.
0: Before we close, I'd like to ask a couple questions, and I'm hoping you can just give me a very quick 30-second response. What is your favorite question to ask the CEOs of the companies you are considering for investment?
1: My favorite question is the one that I have the most interest in the answer, which is just tell me something about yourself that's quirky or different, or do you have a weird hobby or a thing you like to collect? Like, I, I, you know, that probably gets to my desire to know the person. I'm not looking to know the role even when I'm hiring, I'm not trying to hire for a role. I want to like bring on an individual and so I want to know something about that person that that is like interesting and different and, and I think in answering that question there's inherently a little bit of vulnerability that comes up and huh. I think that's a way to connect with people. So I I really like asking that question. I'm always interested in people's stories and their answers.
0: Great. I'm going to add that one to my list. I like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's one unexpected question that you've been asked during your fundraising process by an LP that you were unprepared to answer?
1: You know, let me think out loud for a second. The most LPs ask the same questions, so there wasn't a ton of of unexpected questions, I had one ask me if I was planning to have more children because they thought that would take away from my time devoted to the business, which I found somewhat offensive. You know, I expressed that reaction <laughs> to them at the time, but that was one where it felt so, to me, intrusive or personal. Different if you're saying, "Well, tell me a fun hobby." It's another to say, like, "Are you? you know, tell me if you are going to have more kids." Like that just felt like a That felt like a lot. So that that was probably the one one that stands out to me.
0: That's interesting because, you know, we work with female entrepreneurs and they actually get that question a lot, which is offensive. However, you're the first man that I've heard that has been asked that question. At least they're um, gender neutral about that offensive question.
1: Well, the one this one was—it wouldn't occur to me to ask someone that. That maybe that's why it bothered me so much because I was not prepared for that question. But I also feel like there's an accusation, kind of, or you know, inherent in that, or an expectation, like they are expecting or want a certain answer. It's not a question born of curiosity or genuine interest in the person. It's I want to get something specific from you. Are you going to do something for yourself that is going to cost me to not get what I want? It just seems like a selfish question. It also probably not even legal to ask, a, you know, <laughs> uh, to ask, but you know, it doesn't stop people sometimes from asking it. And I thought it was distasteful. So I can certainly identify a little bit with being asked that, especially if you're a woman and it was uncomfortable for me. I can only imagine if it meant, well, I'm going to be you know, taking leave for a couple of months. If, if someone asked me that question and I'm a man, I can only imagine what the, that person is thinking when they're talking to a female investor or someone raising a fund.
0: Well, regardless, right or wrong, I think it is a question that people should be prepared to answer, even if the answer is, I don't think that's an appropriate question, which right. is probably the best answer, actually. So is there an underhyped fund that you admire?
1: Yes, present company excluded. I will say uh, Gilman Louie has a fund called uh, Alsop Louis Partners, A-L-S-O-P. L O U I E, also Louis Partners. He invests in two things. One, he invests in frontier technologies that are at the cutting edge. But two, he's just a fantastic person with tons of character and and loyalty, and just a great person. He's founded IncuTel, um, served the country. He started a gaming company. He's a lot of fun. He's got a great family, and their you know returns have been terrific. And He's just always got an interesting view on things. So definitely I would highlight that one.
0: Great. And then last question. Is there anything you wish you would have said differently in this interview?
1: No, no. It's just been a fun conversation. Nothing, nothing jumps out at me.
0: Agreed. Where can people find you? Although we should note that <laughs> <laughs> based on I'd rather the-
1: they don't, <laughs> please don't. They can't find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or anything. Um, I mean, I, we have a website, section32.com, um, but most of our investing is done kind of via my network of you know, people. So if, if you really want to find me, it's best to come through like a friend or colleague or someone that knows me because like I said, I don't take a lot of meetings. It's not like I don't like people, but you know, time doesn't allow for it. Makes sense.
0: All right. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes or share this episode. For more tips on how to be a better venture capitalist, you can check out our website at fund81.com. That's fund 8 Until next time.